0: Hey, everyone. This is Lass Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we have Detroit Bad Boys' own Sean Koron to discuss the Pistons' draft this past week. Sean and I talk about what Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Brown bring to the team, Dwayne Casey's assistant coaching choices, and we look forward to the uh, summer league in Las Vegas. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, like, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the post on Detroit Bad Boys. It's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this offseason. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello everyone, welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I'm your host Lazarus Jackson. Uh, I'm pleased today to be joined by uh, our our site lead, our our guru, the guy who's been here the longest, Sean Core. Sean, how are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, you were. I think we were the only two people still awake at the end of the draft. By the uh, <laughs> by, the end of it. So, uh, it's it got exciting at on. the end, though. It, you know, they so the Pistons traded for a pick, which is not something I expected. Um, especially after listening to people bitch and moan about how there was no front office in place for the last like X amount of weeks on Twitter or whatever. But yeah, they uh they traded for the 38th pick, they got Kyrie Thomas out of Creighton, and then with their own pick at 42, they took Bruce Bowen from Miami. Um, There's two athletic, uh, defensive-minded guards. Um, Now the roster has like eight shooting guards on it, but we're going to ignore that for the time being. Uh, What do you think this tells us about the Pistons, what the Pistons are going to look like under Dwayne Casey and Ed Stefanski?
1: Well, I think that uh, these two players kind of signify something that was lacking uh, based on what the new leadership, uh, how they assess the team. So there weren't a lot of premier perimeter defenders. uh, Obviously, who knows how they pan out, but uh, I think these guys were both drafted because they have good defensive reputations. They were good defenders in college and also just sort of uh, upping the athleticism a little bit uh, off the bench from the backcourt. I think um, these are maybe not plug-and-play type guys, but I think that KC sees these guys as, People that could uh, take some spot minutes, uh, shoots a little bit, and uh, handle the ball a little bit to kind of ease the pressure on the the rest of the existing rotation because there's not a lot of help coming uh, to the team other than through this draft. So, uh, and I was pretty impressed with uh, both selections actually.
0: So, what uh, what in particular impressed you? Like I, I know personally, I hadn't really investigated uh Kyrie because I thought he would be gone by the time the Pistons picked and obviously they traded up to get him so I was kind of half right on that and then uh Bowen was a guy who I had seen with like I had seen him has as high as like the lottery and I'd seen him as low as like in the in the 40s or in the in the low 40s so uh were those two guys that you had your eye on coming in or uh was you know just the pedigree of uh they just weren't what you expected, and like that was a good thing.
1: Uh, well, first, just to note, uh, you just did exactly what everybody's going to do and what I'm fearful of every time I say his name. You said Bowen instead of Brown. Even even the official team made that mistake, so I'm not going to feel too bad. That's how they promoted on, on their website, Bruce Bowen. Uh, but uh, Bruce Brown, I do not know nearly as much about, uh, and I didn't really know a lot about. Kyrie thomas it, this was more after the fact uh the cynical part of me before the draft actually sort of anticipated the team uh trading the pick to be honest with you uh so i didn't do a lot of heavy investment in scouting this year compared to previous but uh what i learned about thomas was uh, this kind of goes towards something i'm developing and as a larger piece uh about the pistons but uh They were horrendous at scoring at the rim, Uh, particularly their guards are terrible. We all know that Andre Drummond kind of struggles unless it's a putback, but uh, the whole team kind of has this. uh, It was a plague of the Stan Van Gundy era that they were just absolutely dreadful at finishing within 10 feet. They were one of the bottom five teams, I think every single year of uh, Van Gundy's uh, employment here and uh, Kyrie Thomas is a guy that not only shot 40% from three, uh, but he shot, I think, like 63 to 65% on twos, and he did that damage because he was able to get to the rim and finish, and that has been sorely lacking. So if there's anything that I'm looking forward to, it's just having a body on this team that can get to the rim and actually score.
0: Yeah, that's something I think you see in uh, Brown. In his in his freshman year, uh, his freshman year tape, he's really athletic and really explosive, uh, especially in transition. And you you see a lot of uh, him finishing uh, difficult shots, and that is definitely something that, while I was not like fully, I, I didn't go dig into the stats like you have, but that was definitely something that was missing. And you could look at uh, when the Pistons' offense struggled, you you could uh, diagnose it as uh, you know a lack of easy shots. You know, at the rim, and that would, that would be a large part of the reason why. So, I'm I'm eager to read that uh, when you're done with it. But uh, so, and you know, go ahead.
1: I'll be curi- sorry. I was going to say I'm going to be curious, kind of how Casey uh, uses Thomas, especially. I think he's more ready than Brown, mm-hmm. uh, or at least has a, an easier path. But uh, he also scored a huge probably not majority, but something like 30 to 40% of his possessions were in transition, which is, I don't even know how that's possible, even at the college level. But I mean, it's obviously indicative of a guy that likes to run and finish. And so, uh, kind of, if he's going to play alongside ish Smith on off the bench, who is only effective when he's able to run, uh, if, if they're going to kind of amp up that bench unit and really get him to go, I think, uh, That'd be interesting to see. See,
0: this is an interesting thing for me because I don't know what position these guys play. And I mean that in a good way. Uh, when Casey was in Toronto, he often stuck together uh, multiple guard lineups. Uh, the Kyle Lowry plus Corey Joseph lineups. There were uh, Daylon Wright, Kyle Lowry, like Fred Van Fleet lineups. He, he relied very heavily on Fred Van Fleet uh, last year. Uh, Norman Powell was really big for them two years ago. Um, and so you you see the, the kind of the outline of something similar in both Brown and Thomas, but uh, you know there's still not there's still some aspects of that that aren't uh, there are some aspects of like three guard lineups that aren't super enticing. Usually the guards are smaller, so uh, you lose some defense on the perimeter. But that's like what these guys are supposed to do. They're supposed to be uh, really good perimeter defenders and uh you lose something on the on the boards but the pistons have Andre Drummond and so I, I can i can see the vision of like what uh of Casey trying to replicate uh his successful like bench lineups that uh that he had in Toronto and i'm i'm curious to see how it works out um in Detroit there should always be like one of Blake or Andre on the court at all times so like you should have a rebounder and uh and the three guard lineups, uh, I don't know if Reggie can be the anchor like Kyle Lowry was of a three guard lineup, but uh, bring, bringing up ish uh, like next to Thomas, I think is is pretty intriguing um, because if what you're saying is true, and I'm, I have no doubt that it is, um, then that will also be like another aspect that uh, will be very different from the stand Van on the air. The Pistons very rarely got out in transition. Uh, understand Van Gundy uh, I don't know I think that was like partly a philosophical thing of uh, just like getting back in transition um, and partly a like a, you don't have to necessarily like worry about uh, offensive like the offensive glass because you have Andre Drummond and so just having different aspects and opening up an avenue to like more easy scoring like we talked about a couple minutes ago I think is something that will be really intriguing moving forward
1: Yeah, the positional question, I think, is really interesting. I mean, obviously, the Pistons, you know, Ish aside, because I'm not sure where Ish stands as far as Dwayne Casey's philosophy about the team or how this team can operate going forward. But uh, if they can find somebody that can legitimately play point guard uh, other than Ish, I think that provides the team with a lot of flexibility. Um, Langston Galloway pretty much proved he couldn't do that last year. So the team was really, really hamstrung when Reggie Jackson went down. Uh, And now they have a few young guys that have, you know, they're they're sort of uh, stereotypically shooting guards, but there's some positional flexibility or interest there as far as, you know, when you look at Luke Kennard, can he handle is that something they want to try and develop when you're talking about uh, brown or thomas do they think that were they drafted under the conception that they could play point guard does that matter do they really just want that secondary ball handler and then it makes me kind of think are we just unlearning all the lessons of the combo guards of the joe dumars era like it's far enough in the rearview mirror that all that pain has kind of been forgotten and we're just Uh, sort of going to be disappointed all over again in these undersized guards that don't really have a position or, or I guess not undersized, but just, uh, you know, not huge shooting guards and also not point guards and they maybe can like Thomas maybe can check a small forward if they're on the smaller side. Like I'll just be curious how they're, offensive skills and their defensive skills, which uh, Thomas has, you know, an ample supply on both ends, allegedly, uh, how that's utilized by Casey. And then Brown, I think, struggles a lot more on offense. So I think as long as Ish is on this team, they're going to struggle to find any spot for him on the floor. Of course, he's a second-round pick, so he's not really drafted with the intention of playing a lot of minutes. But, uh, you know, if they think he can also develop into a point guard, then... That becomes uh, possible to play him instead of Smith, as as opposed to alongside Smith, or,
0: or as a ish like insurance policy. Ish only has one more year on his deal, and if uh, one of these guys is able to uh, play back a point guard uh, in the future, that's you know more money you have to dedicate to the the wing position of the future, you know.
1: Um, yeah, and I, I definitely think that. This team just, it can't afford to bring back Ish Smith. I mean, I like Ish Smith. I like watching him play off the bench, but they have way too many non-shooters on this team to ever even contemplate having a, a true non-shooter at the point guard position. You can't play him alongside Stanley Johnson, really. You can't play him alongside Andre Drummond, really. And, you know, unless they ditch one or both of those guys, it becomes very hard to talk yourself into Ish being on the floor especially because we're you know talking about a team with Reggie Jackson where i don't trust his health to be consistent i don't really like seeing him play heavy minutes in back to backs and so frankly the sooner that the pistons can kind of move on from the Ish Smith era i think the more success and flexibility they're going to have going forward
0: so yeah that's interesting because like ish is like absolutely like an nba point guard and both the guys the pistons just drafted aren't necessarily point guards but uh they have experience as like lead ball handlers um but you you just established how thomas scored a lot of his points in transition and from three um, I don't know if those threes were, like, self-created or if they were all in, like, in the flow of the offense. Um, uh, Brown, I think, has like, – when I look at him, when I watch his film, he appears to be more of, like, a, a point guard-esque type of person. But the issue there is he – his shot is not very flexible. He has a – he's a very nice, like, catch-and-shoot uh, player. But when you ask him to shoot off the dribble or you ask him to shoot, like, off a pull-up or off of, like, any kind of motion – uh, his shot like doesn't look as good. His mechanics aren't as good.
1: Yeah, I th- I think that uh, Thomas is also very much primarily a catch and shoot. I think if he was kind of an off-the-dribble or off-a-screen pull-up three-point shooter, he probably would have gone higher in the draft, frankly. Yeah. And it's kind of all a blur because I did most of this research at like one thirty in the morning. But uh, I'm pretty sure that a huge, huge majority of his three-pointers were catch and shoot no
0: that's totally fair about the uh about doing the late night youtube clips i did the exact same thing and but that's still if if so if we're both right uh the pistons are still you know lacking uh perimeter shot creation like for themselves and for others from their guards despite the fact that they have a ton of guards on the roster
1: yeah yeah both these guys can pass but they can't really I mean, I'd have to watch more of both of them, but the, sen- the sense I get is that uh, they're better at uh, penetrating and trying to work for themselves as opposed to uh, finding open teammates. But I think that both of them had, you know, decent enough uh, assist numbers for, for an off-guard player.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and you have to be able to force a defense to react to you in the half court. And that takes like a lot of things, right? That takes athleticism. That takes uh, you need a you know a package of uh, dribbling moves. I, that's not like a two ks thing. Like you actually like need like a you need a couple like moves to break down the defense. And then like you need the vision to be able to make the passes. And so if uh, if you're missing you know a couple aspects of those, you you're not as successful as perhaps you could be. Um, so what that really leads me to is the Pistons have like this huge glut of guards that like can't necessarily break down a defense in the half court. And one of them in particular seems kind of uh, duplicative with the rest. So Sean, uh, do the Pistons trade Langston Galloway? Like, is that, that's what's staring me in the face right now. Do you think that happens?
1: I think they would probably want it to happen. I mean, uh, if this team could probably do anything this off season, they would probably look to trade either Uh, Langston Galloway or Ish Smith. That would be my guess with the anticipation of using that additional flexibility to maybe have a, a cheap wing player or open up just enough financial flexibility before they hit the luxury tax to, to actually use uh, some of the exception money to actually find a point guard that they think fits. But I think that's a very tall order. I don't really anticipate anyone finding uh, being a taker on Galloway, if Smith is easier, but, uh, they'd have to be very confident that they could replace him at the point guard position with a pretty decent backup. Cause again, we're talking about uh, a team that you just can't rely heavily on Reggie Jackson at this point. So it'll be, I'm sure that's where they want to go, but, uh, if they kind of strike out in that regard, uh, I think then we're back to where we were last year with Galloway, probably getting a lot of d m p s maybe he gets a chance early and can only kind of play himself out of the rotation as opposed to trying to play his way back in because some of those people behind him are pretty young but uh i I don't really see anybody taking on those deals
0: see i think i think Galloway is uh tradable i think there there is like you can so Galloway is a useful player a very in like a very specific sense um he's a good shooter like he's a good uh catch and shoot shooter and he's a good perimeter defender um despite being undersized so if you there are very few teams out there who like need that specific uh skill set but maybe what you might end up doing is trading Know two years of bad money for one year of, of worse money, or something like that. Um, a lot of people were interested. Well, a lot of fans were interested in like a Chandler Parsons type thing. Uh, I wasn't not something that odious, but something in that neighborhood. I was looking at uh Kent Bazemore before the draft. Kent Bazemore makes like I think he makes like 18 mil this year and like has a 19 mil player option for next year. Um, and the, you could. Some a package of like Langston and Lure for Galloway as just like a uh, just condense all your money into one player instead of having it like more spread spread throughout the roster. And basemore can still play a little. But uh but yeah, he's and he's he's a wing and he's like that size. So like you, I could see something like that uh occurring.
1: Yeah, I mean if 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 there was a wing that you could find with sort of an equally sort of uh painful contract and you're basically just playing uh uh trading you know one person's not junk but sort of less than desirable player for a another less than desirable player that just plays at a position you don't have the depth then maybe that's possible but i think what's been borne out through the galloway contract or at least his playing detroit was that it's true that he can uh play some quality defense. Uh, I think what he proved, though, was that he could really only play quality defense against point guards, and he can't be a point guard. He's a straight-up shooting guard. He can't really handle the ball reliably, which means you not only have to play him alongside a point guard, but you have to be able to play him alongside a point guard who can uh, cross-match and guard uh, the shooting guard position off the bench, or you don't really have a spot for Galloway. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's kind of still what I worry about him getting minutes in Detroit, even though I really like his three point shot. And I think Casey as a coach is a, not going to have as short a leash as Van Gundy did when he was, you know, missing his first few, because, uh, I think we're going to have a, a decently prolific three point offense, but, uh, I, I just worry about how he fits defensively in Detroit. And I think the same situation would arise for a lot of teams. That's fair.
0: That's fair. So with this large glut of uh, shooting guards who uh, can't really create their own offense, do you, if, if the Pistons can't make another acquisition and uh, they can't force any trades, do you think this like forces Reggie Bullock to uh, a starting wing role, starting at the three or like becoming a permanent uh, three like next to Stanley Johnson as like the only two guys who really have the size uh, to play the position on the roster?
1: I think that really depends on what this new regime thinks about Stanley Johnson. I, I don't think he's earned the right to start at small forward until he proves that he can be more effective on the offensive end. It's just too hard to play him alongside Drummond. Uh, so my, my initial hope would be that uh, uh, Bullock can become a starting small forward and then, you know, it's a uh, winner take all for that sh- starting shooting guard position. So you can have more shooters, whether it be Canard or Galloway or or somebody else. Uh, And then off the bench, I think we're destined to have just kind of tons of small ball lineups. I think as it stands right now, there's no way that they don't pull Drummond pretty early and then bring their bench guys in and let Blake be that creator to kind of help these sort of non-creative are non-creator guards who can actually shoot the ball and sort of a an efficient offensive uh, small ball lineup off the bench, and then see how much mileage they get at least early on.
0: So I think if you if you run Blake and Andre in shifts, uh, you can also kind of put Andre back in that hub of the offense, uh, motion offense. Like have passing the cutters, having cutters like walk working through the paint. Uh, I don't like he didn't forget how to do that stuff. I think uh, especially with a bunch of combo guards who can like break down a defense, if it's already uh, moving, I think that that opens up a lot of opportunities with, with the smaller lineups, but you're absolutely right about Stanley Johnson. He definitely has not earned the right to be the, the starting small forward on, on this team. Uh, Did you see the anecdote in uh, Vince Ellis's story about how uh, Casey dropped in on uh, Stanley working out, uh, in California. And he saw Stanley practicing mid-range jumpers. And he's like, uh, maybe you should, maybe you should work on your three point shot. Just maybe.
1: (laughs) Uh, I didn't see it, but I love it. Uh, I, I think actually one of the, one of the more interesting things that came out of that, uh, Dwayne Casey presser that maybe got overlooked a little bit was, um, he did, you know, throw a bone to the uh, the blog boy contingent on the internet talking about, uh, you know, shooting efficiency and three-pointers. But the one thing he said, because, you know, I think critics would rightly say, well, you know, three-point shooting was not Detroit's problem really last year. There were tons of other problems that gave them a really terrible offense, but they were actually able to make their threes. But he talked about sort of the, the matrix of offense and – just the continuum of what is a good shot and trying to maximize those. And sort of as I mentioned off the top, I really think that anything that Dwayne Casey can install offensively uh, to really open up uh, possessions at the rim that, that players can actually convert, I think that's what takes this offense from being you know, the 23rd or whatever it is ranked offense and gives them a shot to be, uh, you know, an above average or even good offense. And if you have a player like Drummond, you know, at the hub of the offense sort of at the elbow and you have the right kind of guards who know how to cut, which I I think Kennard knows how to cut. I think Bullock knows how to cut. Hopefully one of these young guys can emerge. Uh, Galloway can't really do that, but he can be a catch and shoot guy, but Just if you have this more motion-based offense or or you're just trying to open up avenues at the rim, I think that's what this team is missing more than anything else. And that's what I'm praying that Casey can bring. And uh, whether it runs through Drummond, whether it runs through uh, Griffin, or it runs through Reggie Jackson as a traditional point guard, all of them are possibilities. I I don't know if they have the personnel to do it, but that's kind of, as a fan, what I'm hoping to see uh, in this new era.
0: Yeah, I'll be curious to see if that becomes uh, their main thing or if that be if that remains kind of the complement to the like pick and roll downhill style, Uh, because like in that was that was something that we saw uh, earlier in the year before the Blake Griffin trade when everything was working and they were 14 and six. uh, The motion offense was kind of the thing they ran for the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, they would hit you with uh, with the pick and roll attack from like two years ago and and they had success that way so i'm wondering i guess how much in just you know you don't you don't have to have an answer for this but how much uh how much remains of like uh, just a core pick and roll attack with like Reggie and Andre and what kind of success you can have in, in lineups <laughs> built around that uh as well as uh having intelligent guards who can make cuts and and uh let Andre operate at the elbows and be kind of a a weird uh jokic-esque player
1: yeah, I mean, I think pick and roll is going to be the linchpin of almost every NBA offense, and it's just having those counters when the defense figures you out. Mm-hmm. That's what the Pistons have never had. That's what they've never really been able to install. That's why they've been so miserable when Reggie Jackson's been out of the lineup because Ish Smith is not that player, and they've never found someone else. I think maybe the, the second closest was probably uh, – uh, what's his name? Uh the, uh, oh, god no 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 uh the guy from europe who was secretly good oh, and everyone Bano, hated him Bano. yeah beno udry was actually a really good effective pick and roll point guard and uh they just didn't play him enough
0: i was gonna go back even further and say uh dj augustine was really good for them
1: oh for yeah like the 20 games yeah that's why he was secretly really good when he had to start
0: yeah now he's like super overpaid and actually i would trade him for ish because like they fill very similar roles, but DJ can actually shoot. But uh that's neither here nor there, I suppose.
1: I will say I will say just real quick, uh I did a quick check and it looks like Toronto last year was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, the eighth most prolific pick and roll offense. Just based on these generic stats dot hmm. NBA numbers. They ran it uh Eighteen point eight percent of their plays were uh, pick and roll ball handler type possessions.
0: Okay, that's good. That's good to know. That's good to know. Uh, So summer league is about to start. It starts July sixth. We'll get to see these guys in action. Uh, We'll also get to see some familiar faces. Uh, Luke Kennard is going to go. It's been reported by Vince Ellis of the Free Press that. Despite the fact that Henry Allenson is a third year player and third year players don't normally go, uh, he will go. Uh, hopefully, the Pistons find like another Eric Moreland type, uh, use a useful rotation piece in Summer League. That would be great. So, Sean, uh, what are you looking forward to most in, in seeing in Summer League?
1: I think that you can't really fall in love with the production uh you know who scores points or anything like that i mean last year we saw henry ellenson score a lot of points and he barely sniffed the court all season long uh so i think the thing that i'm going to most be interested in is where the organization puts the young players in what positions uh do they spend their time as far as like are they going to basically stick ellenson at center every single game, or do they still think he can be a power forward? Maybe we learn a little bit about that through how they use him in summer league. I think uh, the most interesting thing is going to be if Kennard's there, Thomas is there, and Brown is there, which one, if any of them, gets any run at point guard? Uh, w- what do they think about developing Kennard as a possible point guard or creator or, you know, the person having the offense go through him? Same thing for Thomas and same thing for Brown, who probably has the most natural point guard ability of all three of those guys, or do they just consider none of them point guards and, and they all play off the ball uh, in sort of small lineups and they sort of invite a legitimate prospect, you know, as far as that goes to summer league, trying to unearth another uh, Dwight Bikes type player who they tried to sort of groom and, take a spot in the rotation last year when they needed it so the only thing i'm going to really be interested in is just how the the organization uses these players because it might be a window in where they see uh it worth being spending some development time for them or how they can be used on the court in this next season so
0: i think it's been it's not, it's been reported that we will already see some luke Kennard at point guard and i think it's uh it's fair to infer from that that we'll see kind of a rotation of all we'll see a look at all three of those guys at at point guard. What what I'm most curious about is to see a lineup uh, made up of those three guys, a three guard lineup of Thomas Kennard, and and Brown in whatever uh whatever order that is. Just kind of what a uh, a a no natural point guard uh offense looks like under a Dwayne Casey coaching staff in summer league at a time when it's fine to experiment with a thing like that. Um, if it works well, I think maybe we'll see some things. We'll see some looks like that during the regular season uh, until they, until they stop working. But uh, I'm intrigued to see that just because it offers a lot of potential applications um, offensively and defensively. Uh Having no natural like designated main ball handler, but having three guys who can each shoot and uh, kind of work with each other to maybe scramble a defense uh, if they have any any set plays or anything like that that help uh, confuse the defense. I think that'll be that'll be interesting and kind of fun to to see moving forward. Um, and we'll, we haven't gotten a full roster uh, yet of summer league. Uh, I think some teams have already been announced. There were some undrafted guys who like, it's already been announced that they're going to go to summer league for certain teams. So when the roster comes out, I'm sure we'll be uh, curious to see who shows up and uh, who's present. Um, we'll get another like Pierre Jackson esque uh, <laughs> point guard who uh, amazes and, and then uh, gets hurt. But uh, yeah, I'm, it's been really long without basketball, uh, without men's basketball. I've got some WNBA in the background right now, but uh, yeah, I miss I miss the the Pistons. So it'll be good to to have them back on my TV screen in a couple weeks here.
1: Yeah, and I think the the big three second season just started. I think I saw a little Corey Maggette the other night when I was uh, flipping that's, through channels. That's
0: the Pistons era, I'd like to forget, not remember.
1: <laughs> Traded Ben Gordon for Corey Maggette and for
0: in and a crappy draft that. yeah yeah, that was the crap draft year
1: yeah and it opened up free agent money so we could get josh smith who we're still paying (laughs)
0: oh yeah unfortunate josh smith is in the big three isn't he or he's coaching somewhere i saw uh
1: yeah he's he's coaching something i i think it might be overseas i don't know i i try not to follow it i just thought i was too too uh energetic and positive about second-round draft picks that are never going to play. So I I thought I'd come crashing back down to earth talking about Josh Smith so I could just be a curmudgeon again.
0: Yeah, no, I like to keep an eye on where my money's going. And so if Josh Smith is coaching overseas, I want to see Josh Smith coaching his butt off overseas.
1: Yeah, he's got to earn that $5.4 million from Detroit (laughs) by coaching the Chinese Basketball Association minor league team or whatever he's doing. Yeah,
0: exactly. So uh, last but not least – Uh, I wrote something earlier this week or earlier last week now, I suppose, about uh, Dwayne Casey's lack of announced coaching staff. Uh, Normally, a coach brings with him assistants that coached in his previous job or guys he has relationships with from the past. Uh, Obviously, the situation in Toronto did not end uh, super well for Casey. And a number of his assistants and guys that are in that organization did not follow him to Detroit. And that didn't seem, that didn't portent very well uh, for me. I was just, I was very curious to see like who, who Casey would pick if, uh, if he couldn't lean on the guys that he would worked with for the last five years in Toronto. Uh, now it's been announced that Sean Sweeney from the Milwaukee Bucks is going to join the staff. There was a, uh, another announcement right before we started recording, uh, DJ Baker, Baker with two Ks, backer. I don't know how to pronounce that, but (laughs) backer or Baker will
1: be joining. Feel the excitement.
0: Woo. He got the, he got a, he got a good, he's like, that's a good dude from Zach Lowe tweet. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to hold that close to my chest. It's going to keep me warm at night. But uh, Sean, so are you, are you concerned at all about the the lack of uh, announced, Uh, known coaching assistants or am I like just kind of overreacting to, to Dwayne Casey's hire?
1: Well, I mean, it doesn't bother me. I probably am kind of glad that it's kind of taking its time at this point because I think it was pretty obvious that uh, he wasn't going to poach a lot of guys from Toronto. I mean, they didn't hire outside the organization in Toronto. They're still one of the best teams. It's a great city. So there's not a lot of sort of reasons that anyone would want to leave that organization unless they really hated Nick Nurse. And I don't think he has that kind of reputation, even if it kind of ended coldly between Casey and Nurse. Uh, I just didn't anticipate anyone really coming from that Toronto organization. And that basically means you got to start, you know, spelunking through other organizations. And if you want to make a quality hire, that probably means you're going to take, Probably a a younger assistant that wants to take a step up, and and those are a little harder to find. Uh, I'm I'd much rather Casey take that route than Stan Van Gundy's route of basically uh, unearthing and dusting off some longtime coaches who were friends of his over the decades who he trusted. I mean, I don't think the assistants in Detroit ever did anything appreciably bad, but. You know, I want the organization to just get younger, get some fresh eyes on it. And, you know, uh, that's not going to happen because Dwayne Casey is a coach. He's been a coach for like 35 years or something like that. So, you know, young new blood is is what I like to see. And that just takes a, a longer time to find. So, uh, you know, uh, finding the guy who worked very closely with Giannis Antetokounmpo, is pretty good, maybe. Uh, Maybe he wasn't the one that was a terrible defensive uh, schematic playmaker for Jason Kidd. Maybe that was all Jason Kidd's fault, and we now have a great young assistant head coach. Maybe this guy's going to be great at player development. I'll root for him, and I'll let it take as long as it needs to.
0: I, I choose to wholeheartedly believe that everything that happened in Milwaukee was all Jason Kidd's fault. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's true to me. And
1: I mean, he's a weird dude. So even if you're like a really good coach and you're just doing what Jason Kidd is asking of you, you know, maybe it's just never going to be destined to work. So I'm not going to lay a ton of that at Sweeney's feet because I just think kids will say unorthodox and he had unorthodox ideas and they tried to Execute him as best they could, and uh, he finds himself unemployed right now. I think for a reason.
0: I think what fills me with some comfort is that the Pistons like do not; they absolutely do not have the personnel to run that uh, type of defensive scheme, even if they wanted to. Like it just wouldn't make sense, and so there's like very, very little chance we'll we'll see that. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, if we're not going to see that, that was the main critique of what the Milwaukee guys were doing. It's like, maybe they'll be doing something better this time. It's like, Hey, on un- the unknown is uh, infinite and full of possibilities. Uh, <laughs> all right, Sean. So thanks. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you. Uh, you coming on and uh, helping me out with the podcast. Uh, let the people know where they can find you on, uh, on Twitter.
1: Well, I uh, am always on the Detroit bad boys account. If you don't follow that, you should, because, that's uh, where we always talk Pistons basketball. Uh, I can be found on my personal account at Sean, S-E-A-N underscore corp, C-O-R-P. And uh, I occasionally also talk about basketball and other things there. And of course, you can find everything that the entire staff does on DetroitBadBoys.com, which is, of course, the best Pistons basketball website on the internet.
0: That is, that is an undisputable fact. Uh, what do we have to do to get you to tweet more from your personal account?
1: I just feel like uh, if I if I want to get it in front of the most eyeballs, why not just be a good company man and do it on the company account?
0: All right, that's fair. You gotta you gotta build your personal brand though, so that when when you leave us for the great SB Nation job in the sky, uh, you know you take all your followers with you and don't just like leave them at the at the DBB
1: account. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I I think they're safely ensconced in that DBB account. That's fine for me.
0: (laughs) All right, Sean. Um, And I'm Lazarus Jackson um, at LazChance, at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E on Twitter. Uh, You can follow me there, and I'll talk to you about Pistons basketball and some other stuff if you want to talk about that, um, unless I block you. And so I'm Laz Jackson. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Uh, we will see you guys probably right after some summer league in a couple weeks. Um, but you know how it is. The off season is a crazy and hectic time and, uh, the Pistons probably aren't going to do anything in free agency. So we will talk to you guys later.